0: This podcast is produced by the brand is female. Always was, always with me. Always was, always with me. Tensei, hello, and welcome back to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host Shayla Olette Stonechild, and I'm very excited to have Leslie Hampton here with me today. She is an Anishinaabe artist and fashion designer focused on mental health awareness. Body positivity, and authentic representation in fashion, film, and media. She is the creative director of Leslie Hampton, an Indigenous owned, size inclusive clothing and accessory brand based in Toronto. I was actually just in Toronto with her a few weeks ago, shooting her new spring campaign line. If you're very into floral print and pastel colors, I invite you to check it out. It drops on June 2nd, and 10% of Everything purchased will go back to the Matriarch Movement profit. So, you'll also be supporting me and her. We talk a little bit about what her experience has been like in the fashion industry. We also talk about cultural appropriation versus appreciation, some of her highlights of her career, one being dressing Lizzo, and what she hopes for for the rest of the year. This week's episode of Matriarch Movement is brought to you by our partners at Louvre Design. Louvre is a socially responsible fashion retailer and manufacturer specializing in sustainable women's clothing with all pieces made and designed right here in Canada. You know, I support women like it's my day job and Louvre is 100% female owned and female led, which is an A plus in my books. Finding sustainable clothing that doesn't break the bank is literally not easy but Louvre has set out to change that. Even better you can be sure that everyone Louvre works with are getting fair wages and we know how important it is to bridge the gender wage gap. All the clothing is as comfortable as your yoga gear but chic enough to wear on your next zoom call with modern staples and playful prints that you'll literally want to wear every single day check out louvre for yourself at Louvedesign.com. that's l-o-u-v-e design.com and get free shipping on your next order with the code shayla shipping all one word at checkout
1: hi thank you so much for having me my name is leslie hampton and i'm a member of Tomogami first nation but i also identify as a third culture kid I spent a lot of my upbringing uh, moving around uh, across Canada and internationally. So I take all of those experiences of who I am and I bring it into this incredible world that is the fashion industry. And I'm really hoping to push for more inclusive fashion um, with a focus on mental health awareness, body positivity, and authentic representation in fashion and media.
0: So you grew up where? I've never heard that phrase before, third cultured kid. Is that how you describe it? And what does that mean? Mm
1: -hmm. Third culture kid. Yeah. So it means that someone grew up outside of their home country in their formative years. So before 18. Uh, So because of my dad's career choice, we ended up moving every two and a half years from when I was born to age 18. uh, And I was Born in Newfoundland, so I'm actually a Newfie, uh, and then moved to Calgary, Yellowknife Northwest Territories, back to Newfoundland, and then my parents moved to New Caledonia, which is an island like Fiji off the coast of Australia, but it is a French-speaking colony. Um, So I ended up going to boarding school in Australia, and then we all moved to Indonesia, and then again to England, and England is where I graduated high school, and then I came back to Canada for university.
0: I had no idea that you spent most of your childhood traveling uh, literally throughout different countries. And so what brought you back to Canada? Why do you feel called? Because you're now living in Toronto, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah, um, I straight out of high school, I didn't really know what to do for a career choice. And at the time, my parents were moving uh, to Oakville, so the GTA around Toronto. And so I didn't really know what to do. I applied to 13 universities because I had no idea even what career choice I wanted. I went from psychology to animal husbandry to art. I, I actually applied for a fashion program in New York, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up in Mississauga studying art studio and art history.
0: So fashion came like a little bit more after in your life. It wasn't really something that you saw in childhood at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I... Growing up, I was always uh, a big fan of different shoes and running shoes and things, so I had a different pair of shoes on every day. But uh, no, the fashion only came uh, once I was studying art, and I realized that all my artwork, whether it was drawing or sculpture, it all had to do with the association around the body and what we put on the body, that conversation Mm. um, from what you wear and and what that can say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just a natural jump over after I started making all these wearable art pieces, a natural jump to the fashion industry and using fashion as a way of storytelling and making artwork, whether it be wearable artwork or otherwise, that actually has a message to it.
0: Mm Yeah, I love how every one of your pieces tells a story. You don't really have to, like, convey it through writing or verbally. It's just, like, as soon as it's on the runway or in the photos, it's, like, it kind of speaks for itself. And so what was your experience, like, going through school? Um, Was it design school? Like, what school did you go to, and how long was that process in itself?
1: Yeah, so uh, my art program was four years, but then after that... I studied at George Brown College for fashion techniques and design. Uh, But I actually, because I was so eager to change the industry and I knew exactly the type of brand that I wanted to be, I started my brand actually the first week that I started George Brown. So I would take what I was learning in class during the day and bring it to my collections in the evening time. And then during the development of my first collection within the first semester of fashion school, uh, I was lucky enough to showcase at Vancouver Fashion Mm. Week and have that work uh, shared pretty widely as well.
0: And I know you've been in the fashion industry for a few years now. I honestly don't know how many years, but do you feel like the industry is now changing from when you first started? Because like you said, there wasn't a lot of people talking about inclusivity and there's probably not a lot of indigenous designers, especially. So has it been evolving since you first started? And in what ways do you think it still has to evolve? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I started in 2016 was when my first collection was released. And I didn't really see any body types like me in the fashion industry, whether it be on the runway or in the executive positions. Um, so I think it has been a, a, slow, a slow shift, but um, I, I definitely think we're on the uphill there uh, with organizations like Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto mm-hmm. and Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week. It's really putting Indigenous designers, providing them the platform and the stage that, they're, that we also deserve, Um, and showing how great the the storytelling can can be included within the fashion Um, and it is getting picked up by major press, major outlets uh, across mainstream fashion as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I know writers for Vogue uh, make it their priority to write about Indigenous designers Um, and it we're continuing to just push forward there.
0: Well, you're just, I was just on your Instagram earlier and you just had another vote, another one, another vote. Vogue article mention you <laughs> of five Canadian um, designers to watch for. And I'm curious, like, When you are identified as a Canadian designer, do you resonate with the word Canadian or would you rather be um, spoken about in a different way? When I hear Canadian and Indigenous, sometimes I just feel like cognitive dissonance because I'm like, we're older than Canada itself. But Mm -hmm. um, do you feel called to be called a Canadian designer? Or what would you rather prefer?
1: Um, This is a hard one for me because I grew up internationally. I had such a resonance with being called Canadian and uh it was always something I even had to fight for so my time in Australia Mm. um Australia the the people I was I was around uh didn't have a differentiation between uh like the U.S. and Canada they just called Mm. called me American because I'm from North America um so that was very hard because I'm like oh no I'm not American I'm Canadian um and I was very, I, I'm very proud of that, but mm-hmm. I, I do know since coming back to Canada and understanding that re- the, the relationship even more from a first hand viewpoint, uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'm still learning to figure out all, all of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much like soul searching and identity is, um, it's always an interesting conversation uh, here in Canada, especially when you're Indigenous. I had a follower actually, they're wondering how did your, design career start out and so that essentially started when you went to school but you had already had the vision
1: yeah um through my artwork um and my art education I really understood that the backing behind the the conceptual basis backing that um creative work can can have um so I approached fashion the same way where I wanted that artist statement to be included within the fashion work and have a clear vision of of what my work represented. But with fashion, there's so many other aspects of it from lookbook to mm-hmm. uh, campaign shoot, to the runway show, to how you advertise uh, the mm-hmm. work. Uh, there's all those facets as, as well that fashion allows me to continue pushing um, for this inclusivity message. Um, and it's, I, yeah, I just love being able to do it every season and, and seeing how it inspires others to do so
0: that was going to be my next question is how far in advance do you usually plan out a campaign or a collection do you plan one out every season so is that like four seasons four collections or how does that work
1: um pre-covid I was doing two collections a year um and pretty much right when the previous connect- collection was completed then I would start kind of brainstorming and finding fabrics um and whatnot for the next collection but I Usually have a number of collection concepts already in my mind, kind of just building. Mm. And then it's whichever one kind of works for that, that timing, what's going on in the world and things like that and what I want to put out there.
0: What has been your favorite collection so far to make? And maybe like, I feel like as for me, sometimes when I put work out there, I have evolved so much as an artist that sometimes I look at that old work and I'm just like, I could have done better. But (laughs) is there a collection that you just is one of your favorites that you have worked on, uh, so far in your career?
1: Ooh, um, my, my top favorite would have been the first collection that I showed for Toronto Fashion Week and was called 1876. And it was my exploration into my indigeneity, um, and figuring out how I can tell that idea of learning about my identity, but through fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was, Uh, We casted all Indigenous models for the runway. We had all Indigenous accessories. And it was just really exciting to be able to bring the indigeneity to Toronto Fashion Week because that was really never seen Mm -hmm. uh, prior. And the platform that I was provided being accepted to show at Toronto Fashion Week, I really wanted to kind of bring my community with me Mm -hmm. and and show what Indigenous people are capable of on... uh, incredible stage like toronto fashion week
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think you bring up a very um good point that i've been having in a lot of my discussions and this is this community driven um like the way we do work, I, I'm always thinking about my community and I'm always thinking of how I can collaborate with other people and co-create because I feel like sometimes in the fashion industry, there's this tokenization of indigenous people or they think that we voice all indigenous people and that's not, that's not the case. And so when it comes to co-creation, you know, what do you look for when you co-create with other indigenous people and are there current designers out there, other indigenous designers that you're inspired by?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like I'm learning uh, because I didn't grow up in community. I really find that within uh, the Indigenous community that I put that I uh, revolve myself with. Um, and that very much has to do with the, uh, with the Indigenous fashion community. And I, I learned very much from those partnerships. Um, so a recent collaboration that we did was with Scott Wabino for our Hampton Wabino jacket. Um, and that was inspired by the healing capabilities of the cones um, used on jingle dresses. And as someone who didn't grow up with powwow or th- those teachings, it was really great to turn to Scott and have their uh, their conceptual basis on how to bring that into a modern day luxury mm-hmm. fashion piece. Um, and we really b- both took our our strengths as uh, someone who grew up, grew up on reservation and someone who grew up internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bringing those together in a piece was just really exciting to for, for myself to learn about all those teachings, um, mm-hmm. in such a creative space and then to really uplift him as well as a new designer.
0: Yeah. For those of you who don't know the piece, um, that one jacket that I'm wearing, um, on yoga journal with the jingle dress, um, what do you call them? What, what, the, what, what, the
1: jingle cones?
0: The jingle cones. Yeah, Yeah. the Jingle Cones, uh, that was designed by Leslie and Scott. Um, And I would imagine, you know, when we are bringing traditional values or traditional knowledge and birthing them into a modern day society, I feel like there is a lot of, you know, opinions out there, whether they're negative or positive. And so how do you deal with uh, maybe the negative feedback that you may sometimes probably get if you do? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you remain truthful to you and your work?
1: Um, it's, it's a learning curve for sure for me. Um, because like other, maybe other indigenous people who didn't grow up in community, I find that reconnection process to be uh, a bumpy road. And when people are attacking my indigeneity and saying I'm not indigenous enough to create work like this, Mm. um, it's hard for me to have that confidence and say, yes, I deserve this. Um, Mm. so it's, I have my ups and downs and I have my good days and bad days, but I do know that the work that myself and my team are putting out there into the world um, and being a strong Indigenous voice in the fashion community will only uplift other members of the Indigenous FASH community and to bring them up with me um, and pave the way so that it's an easier uphill battle for them.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, you touched on always learning, like you're kind of always learning. And that's also through creating with other indigenous designers. I'm curious to know, like, when you because um, when you have a vision, it starts with a vision. But then you're like, oh, I need more people on my team to make this vision happen. And so what had to happen for you to have the team that you now work with? And how many people does that consist of? Right.
1: Um, it always starts with the relationship that, with I, that I have with the individual, um, for someone like scott who we recently took on um in an internship role as well as the partnership role um i was actually working with him uh we did uh some uh we worked at manitoba mukluks together when they were doing pop-ups so he was actually my superior uh working at the store he was my manager um, and i was working under him so that was really funny that we kind of had both those ways of having a relationship Mm -hmm. um and then likewise with the team that I work with uh, day in and day out at the studio uh, they are people that I graduated George Brown with Mm. Um, so they're just they were my friends and I really appreciated their work ethic Um, so I took them on to to my team Um, and then similarly when I'm booking lookbook models or people (laughs) part of my uh, the creative process once the collection's done it's really seeing how great they are as an individual Mm. and what their message is Um, I, I really want to Bring people on my team who have that incredibly strong voice and messaging um, Mm -hmm. to to represent kind of what I'm pushing for as a whole as well.
0: Yeah, you've worked with um, quite a few models, Serene Fox, Ashley Collingbull, Shayla Stonechild. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, okay, when you brought up Manitoba Mukluks, I had like a, this vision, because I actually worked at a Manitoba Mukluks in Costco for like a brief second. Yeah. And oh my gosh, like my first shift, I ran into one of my ex-boyfriends and he oh, runs God. into me. And I'm like, I haven't seen this guy in a year and I'm running into him at Costco. <laughs> like, what? Is- <laughs> so yeah it's funny how you meet people sometimes and it Mm -hmm. brings you together Mm -hmm. um so we just did a shoot in toronto and so what was the inspiration behind your new collection that will be coming out in june
1: yeah june 2nd is when the next collection is coming out um and it's all around a post lockdown self-confidence and kind of a strive for body neutrality Um, I feel like with the pandemic, we've all gone through ups and downs with our body and it's not about being 100 percent happy with your body, Mm -hmm. but it's having that understanding and that acknowledgement that this body is the only one that you're going to have and you have to treat it with respect and have have that that healthy relationship to it. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like a bad hair day. You can have a bad body image day. No one's gonna attack you or anything for that. But to know that the next day that's coming is gonna be better and positive Mm. um, is kind of what uh, we wanted to say with this collection through the colors and through the shapes uh, and silhouettes that we used uh, for for this piece.
0: Thank you, hi-hi, to our friends at Louvre Design for supporting this episode. As a yoga teacher and a spiritual revolution activist, my whole being is rooted in wellness, but not just of the body and spirit. Protecting indigenous culture means protecting the land we belong to. The fashion industry is one of the most important sources of waste on our planet, but Louvre has set out to prove that sustainable fashion can be the norm. Protecting the planet, the people, and the animals are values most important to Louvre, and I stand firmly behind them. 25% of the pieces are actually made with upcycled fabrics, and the remainder of the fabrics are made with renewable materials like organic cotton, bamboo, modal, and tensile. This is the comfy modern brand you can be proud to wear. Don't forget to visit louvedesign.com. That's L-O-U-V-E design.com and get free shipping on your next order with the code Shayla Shipping, all one word at checkout and like touching on body positivity i've been hearing the term body neutrality a lot more often now just Mm -hmm. being like completely neutral with your body like not having to love it but not having to hate it and speaking of lizzo lizzo has worn your pieces um how did that come to be and (laughs) do you feel like you uh lean more towards body positivity or body neutrality how would you define your relationship to your own body
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so Lizzo came about because uh, one of my team members uh, was a very big fan of Lizzo right from the beginning. Uh, So when Lizzo was coming to Toronto for one of her early shows, we reached out to her team and we... uh, we just contacted, we pretty much said, Can we gift you some items and can she wear them? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was actually a year and a half after that communication that she ended up actually posting and wearing the work. Um, so it was a long, oh wow, <laughs> again, a long <laughs> uphill battle to have it come full circle. But it was just so incredible and just so on brand for us and Lizzo to wear. Uh, the athletic wear items and be working out Mm -hmm. um, during COVID like in her personal space and just to see her relationship experience and experiencing the clothing Mm -hmm. um, was just really beautiful Um, and then yeah body neutrality is a new one for me as well and I know Lizzo talked about it a lot Mm -hmm. for me it's I've I've been within this fashion industry for a number of years and that's kind of Mm -hmm. given my body image, um, kind of a run for its money to, because I am a curvy individual, because I am indigenous, I don't look like the typical fashion person. Um, And I sometimes have bad days, sometimes have good days, but during this pandemic, it's been focusing on my body and focusing on my mental health that's really gotten me through Mm -hmm. when work wasn't there or the physical community wasn't there as much just because we couldn't gather. In person, mm-hmm. um, so it was really turning inward and looking at myself and and how I need to better myself to move forward and stay strong.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate because that was kind of my intention. Uh, one of, one of the th- things I wanted to do when I was younger was go into the modeling industry, and I was actually in the pageant when I was like sixteen, and they told me to lose weight, and like that mm-hmm. was just like. Now I just have like almost this resistance towards the modeling industry and towards the pageant um, lifestyle because there is a lot of toxic. Um, there's a lot of toxic uh, like relationships that they stem on you through your body image and through your physical well-being, and so yeah, I really resonate with the term body neutrality, knowing that like no matter where you are on the scale, like we all have our good and our bad days, exactly. and for me. When I'm having a bad day, you know, I do yoga and I meditate. But I'm curious for you, like, what are your practices in your life that pick you back up again when maybe you're feeling a little bit off?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, going for a walk for me is a huge one. Um, I I live by the water in downtown Toronto, so just to have that experience with nature and kind of feel out of the city as best I can. Um, or when I am able to travel to go out and, and go on hikes and things like that is a big one for me to kind of get away from it all and and only think about myself and my body. Um, mm. Another one for me during COVID was making a safe space for myself with even within my home where I live with other individuals. Um, I really invested um, into into my patio space mm. so that I can have the sun, have that outdoor feel um, and, and make it what I want it and kind of have it be my little oasis.
0: Nice, yeah, like a little sacred space. Exactly. Um. And COVID has all affected us to different degrees. And so for you, you know, what were some of your challenges this year and what are you looking forward to?
1: Mm-hmm. A big challenge, I would say for me, was juggling work and personal life, home life, um, because I started in this industry so quickly and I rose up pretty quickly as well that too, I I was forgetting about myself and I was forgetting Mm -hmm. about me as the individual. And I was only focusing on Leslie Hampton, Hampton, the brand. Mm -hmm. So I didn't factor in hours to work out or hours to, to journal or anything like that. It was always what, what can we do for the business? Mm -hmm. And then when COVID happened, everything pretty much stopped. I, the personal me caught up to, To the business me and i had a a number of number of ups and downs from that um, and i really knew that i had to invest in my mental health or else if i'm not thriving the business is not going to thrive and i need i need that comfort in myself Mm -hmm. where if i do have a bad press day or something like that um, i'll know that i can come through and i know that i know that confidence in myself Mm -hmm. Um, i am still learning that and i have had a few amazing press days and a few bad press days. And I have to remember that the press does not define me and, and the work that I do and the personal relationships that I've seen that my work affect people with, um, to see that is really what has to push me forward and not the superficial, um, titles and things like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally, um, this is what I've been kind of dealing with too, because like branding is one thing and then who you are as a person, sometimes it feels like it could be totally opposite. And so I call it kind of like your matrix life, like your superficial avatar life, and then your <laughs> real life. And I'm like, how do we how can we like mesh the two so that it's not like I'm living like two separate identities? Mm-hmm. But um one person I just had another interview with was Tanya Talaga and she's really been trailblazing the journalism industry as an indigenous woman and she was saying how you know as an indigenous woman trailblazing an industry she's never seen herself represent in you are operating as an indigenous person and you're you're thinking about everything that you have to think about how it affects your community um, is this part of protocol and then there's your actual work and so I imagine for you you probably go through the same thought process and not only that but you have literally magazines and tv and news people writing about you and so I don't know if that was a rant, but I'm just like, how do you not let, let that get to you? Like, how do you not let the, um, I guess, internet get to you? Um,
1: I'm still learning that. I, unfortunately, yeah. still, like, search myself up on Twitter and read some of those bad comments, mm, um, whether mm-hmm. it even comes down to, like, the pricing of my work. And it's really hard right. for, like, even just small comments like that, where I know I have a reason of for why my work is priced at a certain price point. Um, but just to hear someone who wants me to price my work for maybe like a, at a fast fashion price, that yeah. it's just so hard because I'm one individual and then my team is uh, day in and day out. There There's only three of us in studio. Wow. So
0: I didn't know there was only three a, of you.
1: So it's not a major team of of people and manufacturing. And when you email us, you're emailing me. So mm-hmm. to get to to... I'm still, yeah, I'm still learning. learning. Uh, and I'm going to keep learning until I <laughs> hopefully figure it out and then can give more <laughs> more uh, knowledge well, on how to deal with the internet <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I think it just like we got to give ourselves more credit because I think that's yeah. and you like your work I would pay what you ask for like your work is literally like pieces of art like you're getting your money's worth it's qu- it's quantity like not quantity quality it's not qu- mm. <laughs> use the opposite word it's quality <laughs> um, a- another question from one of the followers um she asked do you have any advice on how to face cultural appropriation in fashion should we be calling the brands out
1: i would say absolutely i've seen a number of brands get called out um for cultural appropriation and i think it's the more we share that knowledge and the more we show what's appropriate and what is appropriation um people will begin to learn because Mm -hmm. a lot of people think Indigenous fashion, even, is like the subculture, whereas we were the first fashion on this land that is North America, that is Turtle Island. We were the first one, so kind of all the other fashion is like the subculture that Mm -hmm. came in. Um, So I think remembering what is appreciation, what's appropriation, and to call out when it's needed uh, is the only way
0: Mm -hmm. unfortunately
1: some people will learn
0: yeah because i know like some people do send emails but that usually like did you just see that post on um uh instagram about the converse like the yeah yeah yeah. the woman like emailed converse didn't get a response so then she posted on social media and so i think in a way sometimes this is the fastest way to get brands to be accountable to their appropriation or to just downright stealing other people's designs yeah Uh, even
1: looking at diet prada um an instagram mm-hmm. account on uh the way they call out and they have the the fact that their following is so massive and and people will give them tips mm-hmm. and and them posting about it and people actually talking about it online makes that shift mm-hmm. um i think it's really important the more people we have talk bring it bringing up uh bringing it to the forefront
0: have anyone tried to steal your designs i'm curious
1: um Not that I'm aware of, not yet, no.
0: (laughs) And I know people are going to ask this question, but are non-Indigenous people allowed to wear your designs and what you make? Absolutely, yes.
1: Everything we make is for all body types and uh, all
0: ethnicities. Everyone. Um, Everyone has been asking you questions. So another one was, how do you deal with lateral violence um, within the fashion industry if you have to deal with lateral violence?
1: Um, I have received a few comments of, for lateral violence ar- around certain projects that I've done um, and again it, it was tough for me because at the time I was struggling with my mental health and I was struggling with my identity mm. um, and to have those comments um, and also the, the pre- pre-perceived knowledge. A lot of people think that I'm 100% white um, because of my name. Mm. It's from my dad's side and he is. Um, So to have those, just to have comments like that, that don't make me feel Indigenous enough Mm -hmm. to tell certain stories and to make certain work. um, And especially that coming from uh, the community and individuals that I want to be a part of and I want to um, make them happy it's it is very tough, but mm-hmm. everybody is on their own path for healing and it might not be about me at all. It might not be about my work or anything and it just might be how they have to let out their their pain in the moment
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way of looking at it I feel like some people well everyone's on their own healing journey and for me sometimes when I would even lash out at people when I was younger it was because I was looking Mm -hmm. through a lens of trauma and like I Mm -hmm. had to really reflect on my own behavior and you know what I needed to heal Um, moving forward into 2021 I know you have been awarded a couple awards this past week like how many awards have you (laughs) have you got
1: uh only two
0: (laughs) (laughs) only two in like the same Um, 48 hours
1: (laughs) exactly it was uh, yeah it was was an exciting (laughs) end of a week (laughs) what did so what award was the first one um so i received the fashion impact award from the canadian arts and fashion awards um and that is for either a community or philanthropic um, impact on the fashion industry. And uh, my collection was really based around uh, that 1876 show that I mentioned prior um, around bringing indigenous people and indigenous artisans and models and everything onto the Toronto Fashion Week runway. Um, And I think from that, uh, there there was a shift in the fashion industry for people who maybe didn't experience indigenous fashion or indigenous people, uh, and showed and represented what current-day indigenous people look like and uh, dress like. It's not, it's not the stereotypes that we see. Um, and I think for the fashion community, that was really impactful for them. And I, I think that's that's why the. That's why I got the award. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Congrats, congrats. <laughs> and then the second one was for what? And then to... I
1: received a, <laughs> the, my second award was the uh, Inspire Awards in the youth category, which Sweet. is uh, for Indigenous excellence, and in, um, that was that was a really big one for me because it because I have had these ups and down struggles with my indigeneity, and to be awarded that award was really cemented the work that I was doing in in the indigenous fashion community and and uh with myself as an individual it was just really really I, I'm so
0: proud I I'm so even, proud of you can't even like, put congrats. it into words yet <laughs> congrats like we definitely gonna have to celebrate when I get back to Toronto exactly um and you know when we look to the future for me As an indigenous person, sometimes I want to collaborate with other brands out there that are more mainstream. And so, do you have like a thought process or like some kind of like for me, I'm all. People don't understand as an Indigenous artist how much thought you have to put into partnering with some brands. You have to put in their history, their ethics. you got to be worried about cancel culture, lateral violence. And so do you have a thought process when it comes to partnering up with other brands? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like?
1: Um, I I have a few collaborations in the works as well that might go along these these lines of what you're explaining. And I think we just have to figure out how we're going to move forward. I, mm-hmm. You can look at the history of a brand um, or a company and understand that. And you do have to look to the past so you know how to move forward. But I think as long as there's the initiatives in place for them to right their wrongs and do better um, or... Or if it has to do with manufacturing, um, where are they going in those avenues? Mm. Um, I think as long as the effort is there, we can guide them as Indigenous people, as Indigenous creatives. We can guide them uh, along a along a better path, and and then hopefully bring our community in as well, mm-hmm. and then again pave the way.
0: Exactly. Like people are always like the youngest generation will lead us and it's like yeah, but when you are the young generation sometimes it's scary cuz like you are literally taking into account history in itself. So, yeah, how can you practice more uh gratitude to the artists that are pay- paving the way out there? What would your advice be to uh a young, you know, indigenous artist wanting to get into the fashion industry?
1: Um I would say just reach out to people who look who you look up to. Um, See if you can get an internship with them, see if you can even just shadow them for a day or something like that. Or something else I would say is if you say want to dress Lizzo or want to do something major like that, don't be afraid to just shoot the emails out there and and see where those lead to. For myself, even early on in my career, I got the biggest media stories and things like that just from an email that I sent at 2 a.m. to someone who I wanted to be on my runway or something like that. Um, And that's that's really pushed me to the next level um, in my fashion career.
0: Yeah, because you said you started out in 2016 and you've already been featured in so many magazines. Um, You've already won so many awards. What for (laughs) you has been like one of the highlights of your career so far? Aside from the Lizzo and aside from all the great stuff we've already talked about, you have a great... <laughs>
1: um, I have I have a few peaks that they seem to happen every year and a half and they really just blow my mind in how great and uh, how great the fashion industry is becoming and how much it's changing and how much people appreciate, appreciate that shift. Um, one of the first ones would be... Um, one of my earlier shows when I did just email someone in the middle of the night like trying to get them onto my runway was Adrienne Haslett and she is a Boston bombing survivor mm. and became an amputee because of the incident and to show her strength, um, we invited her onto our runway show at Vancouver Fashion Week and to show her strength, uh, not only with what she overcame, but uh, who how incredible she is as a person now to have that represent my fashion. Um, on a runway was just mm-hmm. so incredible, and then that that again became uh, went pretty viral across the Canada and the U.S. So to have stories like that, and then um, have those keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly with our Golden Glo- Globes gown and how wide that went. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm gonna do next because I've really the the community has been so great in uplifting me uh, mm-hmm. thus far.
0: Yeah, I'm really into, um, like manifestation and like visualizing and like going after the goals. And so do you have any processes that you work with, you know, personally when it comes to manifestation or visualization or what you want for the future?
1: Um, I have like secret goals that I don't really share too publicly, um, and I think just thinking about those every day, and I guess it is manifestation, even though I'm not putting it out into the world publicly, um, I think those goals really kind of keep me going. Um, but then even small goals too, like something for us for uh, 2021 is to add Demi Lovato to our dressing list, uh, celebrities mm. that we've dressed, just because I love her story and what's happened to her in the last few years um, and, and her strength that uh, she's had to overcome it. Um, so, so things like that, where I can put that out the, into the world. Um, but then I have a lot of other projects and ideas that I just <laughs> manifesting.
0: <laughs> I like how you say Demi Lovato is like a small goal. <laughs> it's just a one of my small goals. <laughs>
1: smaller. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um so the word matriarch the reason why I started this podcast is because we don't have a lot of spaces that amplify our voices in the way that we want to be heard and the way that we want to share and so when you think of the word matriarch how would you define a matriarch and are there matriarchs that you're currently inspired by
1: mm-hmm. I would define it of uh, being the the women that we look up to and who push our, push us forward and uplift us um and inspire us um, me for my whole life, it's always been my mom mm-hmm. um, who's been my matriarch my I call her my third culture matriarch <laughs> uh, because we have a similar kind of out of your home community upbringing mm. um, so uh, traveling with her and and always having so- someone like her to to lean onto was was really great um is really great um, and I kind of get that same feeling for individuals within the community that I can look up to or or follow or um, reach out to for advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Even people like Sage Paul of Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto where I can just call her up or text her and ask her a question or advice on something. Um, People like that I think we all need Mm -hmm. that type of matriarch in our lives um, to really guide us and help us to move forward. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's coming back to the full circle of how we kind of started this interview was about community and having that community-based goals in mind. And so there's this idea of indigenous futurism and moving towards the future. And so what do you hope for when you hear the word indigenous futurism?
1: Uh, My mind goes to, in relation to the fashion industry, and I really want to see indigenous designers allow, allow Indigenous designers to take up space, um, in those big department stores with the like Chanel or all those Burberry, like those big shops that take, that fully encompass what the brand is. I really want to see Indigenous people take up those spaces, um, and be the forefronts of fashion on the land that is ours.
0: Exactly. Well, like you said, like all your pieces tie in a story and that what that's what fashion is. And so how better what a what better way to tell our stories rather than to be within those advertisements in itself. Uh, and so moving into 2021, I know we kind of touched based on what's coming up for you, but how can people support your work and check out your new uh, collection that's coming out?
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you can always find us by Googling us, Leslie Hampton. Um or uh, a, our next collection is coming out on June 2nd at lesliehampton.com. Um, and you'll see a bunch of photos of Shayla on there wearing our <laughs> incredible designs <laughs> um, and great posing as well. Uh, and really just showing, again, different body types because uh, different body types, whether it's athletic or curvy or um, all those different avenues within the fashion industry. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram, leslie underscore um, as well as tiktok leslie underscore oh yeah new to tiktok
0: (laughs) sweet well thank you so much leslie for sharing your energy and your wisdom and your time today Uh, make sure you look out for the new collection i was a little disappointed you say that wasn't your favorite just kidding (laughs) (laughs) only because Um, i haven't been able to show it
1: yet
0: (laughs) Jokes. awesome well thank you um yeah and make sure you follow leslie i'll drop all her handles below here hi hi I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at shayla 0 at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in.